to Stock Talk Podcast, where topics are covered and questions are answered across all parts of the show stock industry. Get ready to learn and laugh with your hosts, Trevor Kirkpatrick and Corey Edge. No jokes this time, Corey. Strictly business. We um, got several messages and text messages, at least I did. Uh, had a couple heart attacks. Uh, yep. my, my Nana, she called me. She said, I was tearing up leaning against my countertop because I thought you ended the show and I was working in the kitchen and you made me tear up a little bit. Just thought I should call you and tell that. So, Oh, we can't be scared. Nana like that. Never again. <laughs> and we had several others. We had a lot of others that were like, Oh, oh yeah. my gosh, you gave me a heart attack. So yes, uh, fun and fun and games to end, uh, the April fool's joke, but yeah. Yeah. Lock up. We're locked up. Yes. Right now. Yep. Everybody's locked up. So we are glad that we have a platform to where we can still communicate with people. However, I would like to be able to socialize and interact with people. Yeah. Of my own little bubble. Yeah. Uh, luckily, I had a Sal DeFerro, uh this this weekend um, that I uh, took a little little bit of distractions, which was a good distraction of uh, getting getting some work done in the barn instead of just uh, sitting around the house um, painting. Dude, so, speaking of working in the barn, we have, I literally, this past literally three or four days, we have turned the Edge Ranch into a freaking palace. I love it. Like, just moving gravel, getting new runs set up. And amazing when you have around. you have time to work, how clean stuff can look and organize. Oh geez. I mean and and you know, I even helped dad set up a little fire pit. So speaking of you fire, know. you brought some hells on wheels to the edge ranch. That's right. That's right. Man, we are again the segue and like mall cop analogy really <laughs> fits the scenario. Uh yeah, we did. Hell on wheels uh is now part of the edge and sugar Creek club lamb teams. Uh, very excited about that investment. He, uh, already got getting calls on semen on him. So that's pretty Heck cool. Yeah. I haven't even collected him yet. So that's good. Making um, moves. Yeah. Well, it's kind of in this deal, you just got to find the next piece and he was it. And, um, very fortunate that, uh, a future guest, uh, at some point in time, uh, Mr. Eric Shellhouse um, was able to give us that opportunity. So um, it was kind of interesting how all that went down. If you don't mind, I would like to tell the story of how Hell on Wheels was acquired. Let's do it. Okay. So sitting on the, uh, in my office uh, one late morning, and I get a text um, from Luke Ziegler, who any of you that have listened um, – to us in the past know who luke is good buddy and he, he texted me he said hey did you see shell house's facebook post hell on wheels is for sale and i said no so i investigated it myself saw that that happened called eric immediately did not consult with my father i just <laughs> said listen this is an opportunity that we probably don't want to miss so i gave him a call because we'd been talking about what's the next piece that we need to add and something with a little extra look and um, you know, hard muscle shape and that can get some big feet and fuzzy legs, which uh, if anybody has followed hell on wheels over his uh, career so far, that's exactly what he does. And I, uh, so I called Eric, just talked to him, 
asked him what he wanted for him, uh, asked who else called and, and, and had interest. Mind you, this, this post was made like an hour, uh, before I called Eric. And so then, uh, hang up, uh, with Eric after I kind of get the details of what he wants, uh, to figure out with him. Um, and so I called my dad and I said, Hey, I know that we've been talking about going to find a white buck, um, to kind of get our Dorset influence sheep, uh, keep our breed type a little bit, uh, uh, better with those. And, and so I, but I saw that this was available and I said, well, I think we ought to jump on this. And, uh, after I hang up with my dad, literally two minutes later, I get a call from a guy by the name of Corey Pinks, um, who he and uh, one of his really good friends, Chris Paxson, uh, run Sugar Creek Club Lambs out of Ohio. And uh, Corey says, hey, um, I kind of wanted to see what your interest level would be on partnering on this buck. And then I kind of got to think a little bit more. And we hadn't, to this point, partnered with anybody. Um, on breeding stock. And so um, I thought that this could be an interesting way to help keep that buck going and seeing as many use as possible between our two places. And then uh, once we get him collected, we'll, we'll be able to kind of offer some semen on him too. So it was kind of crazy because um, all this happened within the matter of about two hours um, from the time that Luke called me um, until we told shell house that we were going to buy him. So um, it's pretty crazy because, uh, Eric told us when we went and picked him up that that he had, he still is getting calls <laughs> from people, uh, asking if that buck's available. And so pretty cool to, uh, you know, he's three. So, I mean, still has some, some life left in him. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, kind of, kind of cool deal to, to get our hands on a mature buck. That's, that's proven. And, and still has a lot of gas left in the tank. He is a, I mean, for a three-year-old buck, he's pretty fun to, fun to study. Yeah. So, yeah. I anyway, called you there. That's with how you, were, you and the fam were on the way to pick him up or headed back to Indiana. And yeah, uh, yeah I'm pumped to see that guy the next time I'm there. So um, speaking of pumped, another segue, we're, we're rolling right through the, the mole cop here. Um, I'm also excited for Walton Webcasting's announcement. I don't know if you guys saw Lindsay and Greg, on Facebook the other day, but the Cyber Stock Show, they've launched, or they are announcing it happening on April 18th, first ever, Poland Bracket Buster Showdown, happening on Walton Webcasting on April 18th, it's the first of its kind, uh, it's bracket style, now that we don't have uh, college basketball to watch, you can yep. watch some show pigs, battle it out. I was going to say, if you guys are missing livestock shows like Trevor and I are right now, this is an opportunity to watch one and Walton's going to have it live. So make sure that you tune in to waltonwebcasting.com and uh, check out the cyber stock show being sorted by no other than Dr. Mark Hogue commentated yep. by the CEO of the NSR, Mr. Zwilling. Yep. So a bunch of good minds, a lot of things happening there. Walt webcasting. And of course, since we're all in lockdown quarantine for another couple of weeks, might as well get to the archives, get your subscription to waltonwebcasting.com. That is right. Easter's coming up this weekend, Trev. That is true. It's going to be a, going to be a little different Easter, but what I would like to say is that uh, the reason we celebrate Easter has not changed. That's right. And so I think that uh, 
especially in this in this time, it is going to be good to reflect on on uh, the sacrifices that were made for us all to be living in a free country. Um, because you know, I think at this point in time, we probably should lean on our Lord and Savior just a little bit more than what we have in the past. Um, you got to remember that there's a plan in place. We just don't yep. know that plan yet. That's right. And so, uh, I would, I would just encourage everybody to stay diligent in prayer and make sure that, uh, wherever you are celebrating your Easter weekend, that you do it, um, with kind of a, a, um, reflecting attitude, yes. um, on, on how things have been, um, and the reason that we are here and the reason that we will move forward out of this situation. Right. All right. I'm done talking about COVID. How about showpig.com? Oh, Still selling hogs. My gosh. A lot of them. A lot of them. Whole you know, them. Uh, we've kind of talked about this in the last episode, and we touch on it here with Ernest, but there's still a lot of really good sales. I mean, Jeez. yeah, some are taking a dip, and we're all getting hit a little bit with that, but pigs are selling well. Holy mm. cow. Just a, And just a bunch of them. Because if you think about the amount of, of these live sales that have had to shift to an online platform. I mean, I, I don't know how the circuit boards haven't just collapsed over there. At Topic. They, <laughs> I wonder they got, about they, that. They got a big machine running that thing, I think. <laughs> <laughs> but that's, that's the place cool. to sell pigs. I mean, if you're going to sell online, which you have to, can't do it uh, in a live format, you do it with showpig.com. Uh, they've got a spring special still going on. Haven't stopped that yet. To yep. put you on the uh, breeder directory link, for only two hundred twenty-five bucks for the full entire year, and what there's that is, of, there's a lot of twenty twenty left. That's a lot of twenty twenty left. And if you don't know what the breeder link is, it is what uh, it says. It's a bunch of different breeders that are on a list, and anybody who is on that page on that website can click it and go right to where you want them to go. So that's right. a lot of traffic heading right in your direction with ShowPig.com. Absolutely. Um, the other thing, Trev, that we should touch on here in our in our intro before Ernest spits some real knowledge on people is the Stock Talk Build Your Legacy Scholarship. Uh huh. Um. Wow. What a what a opportunity! I think um, we have been so fortunate to be able to offer is the Stock Talk Build Your Legacy Scholarship for a thousand dollars to those who are ages 16 to 21 as of January 1st. And so those applications, uh, you can find it on stocktalk-podcast.com. All the details are there. We are very excited to bring that opportunity uh, to the public, to the youth, to the showman, if you will, of our industry. Mm -hmm. um, don't even have to... Don't even have to have plans to go to college. That's the beauty about this is, is we want to help a young stock person um, that is looking to advance in, in a trade and in, in whether that be a collegiate career, um, judge livestock, or they just want to um, take that scholarship and invest in their future, um, which are, however they see fit. We don't care. We just want to know uh, how that money will help you um, build your legacy if you will. Yes. Oh yeah. Yeah. I'm hoping uh, more and more of uh, you listening, tell your 16 to 21 year olds, whether it be a friend or a 4-H member, your daughter, your son, 
whatever. Um, have them jump on that and fill out that application online. Send us a letter and a quick video, and uh, you got yourself an entry to $1,000. And you can be a guest. You can be a guest there's, on the show. Th- there's two requirements for this. you got to be 16 to 21 as of January 1st, and you got to have some sort of involvement in the show stock industry. Yep. Pretty simple. That's it. I feel like we're talking to you. Yes. Okay. Anyway. Man, what an interview we got. I'm telling you. Um, I don't know who who out, who out there knows Ernest Donahue, but you should after this episode. A man with so much passion that um, back in the day uh, when um, I was kind of at the end of my show career, I, I say end, but, you know, junior, senior year of high school, of the 4-H career, and he came to Ohio, and uh, the McCoys introduced him to me, and the dude has never lost his spark and his passion since then. Um, I messaged him back when, when I was starting to help families out. I'm like, man, how do you do it? Um, you know, what's the best way to go about it? And he has always been somebody that I've kind of reached out to when I have questions about family management and just uh, show pigs in general. So I cannot wait to hear the response from our listeners after they hear this episode. Get your pen and paper ready. I don't care what species you're in, specifically those in the show pig industry. Tell your other species families to grab hold of this episode and a pen and a paper. Yes, no doubt about it. There's so much to take away from this episode. And we really do limit the COVID-19 talk. I think there's like one little section. I mean, we got to talk about it. There's and that no was actually that. needed. I mean, it was it, pretty it, timely. Yeah, exactly. I mean, if you think about what's happening right now in California and those states right now that are in county fair season, um, that's it's it's tough. They're they're dealing with it right now. And I think us folks that are not in those situations need to need to take notes and watch how they are reacting um, because I think there's some good things happening and for sure some good people that are working tirelessly to make sure that that uh, we can still have livestock shows. So, mm-hmm. well, without further ado, Trevor, we have got a guy that travels the country placing show pigs, working with families, literally does it for a full-time job. He lives in wine country out in California, and he knows some pretty significant industry people that can help you, help you, help yourself. Anyways, welcome to the show, Mr. Ernest Donahue. Thanks for calling on the other end of the country. Uh, got a lot of lot of exciting stuff to talk about, but before we dig in uh, full full force here, we just want to know a little bit more about yourself. Just tell us about you and where you're from and what you do for a living. My name's uh, Ernest Donahue. I'm uh, from Napa, California, and uh, I live here with my wife and, and my two-year-old daughter, Marissa, in Denver. And uh, we sell show pigs and, and help families um, find show pigs and help families raise show pigs. And, um, you know, I, I, uh, I, I detest the word trader. I mean, not that, you know, I, I don't think that it's a correct way of, of explaining what I do or who I am or how I do it. But 
I don't know, traitor just sounds like a, you know, like you're a defector, like you're, you know, it just sounds like a negative word. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I like to think of myself as a simple word, a helper. You know, um, we're someone that is in between. So I understand why the, the role has been described as your trading hogs. But I take more pride in just kind of being this bridging this gap between like families that they have a youngster that are interested in this and they're maybe not as aware or as able to get back to these other locations, you know, with the Midwest and the Southwest being um, such hotbeds for what we do, you know, with, with raising show livestock and, and having show livestock, we just kind of become an in-between with the ability to help people find them. And, and also the things we've learned over the years, just, you know, how to help them, how to raise them. And those things have, uh, have been really important to, for us to learn that and then to relay that information to people. So with, we just really help people with their show livestock project. And, and then it goes to any level, you know, whether they want to show at the World Pork Expo or the National Western or whether they want to um, show at their local county fair. You know, either one is is something that we want to take as serious as they want to take serious. We should come up with a professional title for that because <laughs> I do like it. I, I, it's a concept, obviously, that's been around for a while. Um, but you know, someone uh, of your level taking it to you know across the country like you do is kind of kind of different and unique, I guess, for some people that are specifically just traders, just moving livestock. Um, but you know, sticking with the family throughout the whole process can be, uh, can be very both challenging and rewarding, uh, especially in a role like yours. So that's pretty cool. So Ernest, give us a little yeah. history about how you guys got started. I know uh, you, what you do now is, uh, is you place pigs all over the country and hit and help out. And we're going to dig into more uh, detail about that. But, uh, I've always been fascinated about, uh, how you, your, your story, I guess. So walk us into where Ernest got his start and, and how you kind of do what you do now. You know, I believe, uh, where I'm at today, you know, I, I think we're all products of our experiences. You know, like if we didn't have that experience, how could we be who we are now? I'm like a hardcore believer in that. And part of my story is, is I grew up in Napa, California, where, you know, it's just not like your prime time show livestock part of the country. We are a very agricultural uh, community in terms of just growing grapes and, and making wine and, and just all the ag that's going on in this area and people that do have agricultural service jobs, you know, whether it's, you know, pesticides or whether it's, you know, plant planning stuff or whether it's vineyard managing or, or whether it's actually making the wine or marketing the wine, all of it falls under the umbrella of ag. And uh, there's a lot of jobs and a lot of opportunities in this area. But uh, when I was younger, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm still on a piece of property here in Napa that my grandpa left me. And my grandpa was the first person to give me a pig when I was three years old. And uh, I've just been fascinated with this animal my whole life. And uh, I grew up doing 4-H with my cousins, and uh, we just did it at a local level right here at the county fair, you know, and it's why the, the county fair in our eyes is so important is because it has such a, an emotional connection to where you start, you know, and where your first experiences are. And, you know, you always hear like pro football players, I've had a couple buddies be drafted in the NFL, and, and you always hear them talk when they come back to town like, man, it just wasn't like, you know, what it was like when we were in high school. You know what I mean? And, and there's something about your first experiences, you know, your, your first girlfriend, you know, your first vehicle, you know, your first place you showed, 
I still get, you know, the tingles driving down to the, the Napa town and country fair and just smelling the barn. And, you know, and I, and I even joke with the kids sometimes I show them some of the pins that I've had a lot of hogs and I got a, a weird memory. And I, I, I know actually every pin down at the barn that I raised the hog in and I could walk you to it. I could tell you the two pigs that were in there. I could tell you how they placed that year. I could tell you what they weighed. I could tell you who judged. I could tell you how I felt afterwards. And so the county fair to me, man, is, is something that means a lot. And I just grew up right here in Napa where most people just took them there to show them. I, I took them there. I really wanted to do well. And, and that was part of my upbringing is, is I was a little different in an area that was a little different, but I, but I really enjoyed showing pigs and, um, and I really enjoyed doing 4-H and, uh, and we didn't have FFA at my high school, which is something to this day that like I see all the FFA activities that kids do, you know, livestock judging is obviously the one that I would have loved to have done. And, um, and I see the kids that succeed at that and have done well at that, you know, Trevor, I, I text you when you, was it what you won North American? You know what I mean? I, you know, I'm, I'm just fascinated by that, but I didn't get to do that or take part in some of that stuff because I would have had to go to another high school in, in my town and just transportation wasn't possible. But um, grew up showing, um, grew up doing 4-H, and um, and you know that's just kind of where my passion started. So where, and this this kind of leads into where you are now. So how do, how did you get your start in in helping families all over the place? You know, some of those conversations I'm sure started locally, but you know you start branching out and getting to other parts of the country. Uh, what was kind of the, the spur of, of like, Hey, I could do this. I could do this for, for my job kind of deal. So, so the big break for me and the, you know, I always, I call it like an irreplaceable turn of events for me was there was a family in town that as I was kind of phasing out, they were kind of phasing in and kind of trying to level up. And, um, and it was the Abreu family and, and Rico Abreu is the oldest boy in that family. And he's still my best friend to this day. And he, he wanted to win and he wanted to have success and his family wanted to have success. And I was just ending at my time and, and going to junior college and uh, they were just kind of coming in and we were just going to try to win the Napa town and country fair that year. And, uh, we went at it that first year and, uh, we got reserve brand. And then uh, we went out at the next year and we won it. And then re- once we won it, we just, you know, you're just like anything, you know, once you climb a mountain that's 10 feet tall, you want to climb a mountain that's 12 feet tall, you know, and then when you climb a mountain that's 12 feet tall, you want to climb a mountain that's 20 feet tall, you know, the progressive me- mindset and the progressive mentality is, is usually very rarely ever satisfied. And so once we started to win and started to get a hang of it, you know, um, we started to want to seek seek out doing more. So that first three or four years, you know, I was learning stuff um, with them. We were buying a lot of hogs from Cobbs in Arkansas, um, somewhere we still buy hogs from. And uh, we, you know, Aaron was teaching me a lot of stuff. I was really starting to understand how to feed and select. And I was kind of building that base layer of, of knowledge, not really in terms of thinking about a job, Corey. I wasn't thinking like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to work at this. But through that three years college, I started to have difficulties like getting into advanced math and, and chemistry and some of those advanced classes. I started just struggling with that. You know, I'm, I'm not, I'm a, 
I'm not a, a, a math whiz by any, by any means of the standard, you know, uh, and college started kind of not being as interesting as like, man, we got a hog show this weekend. You know, right. me and Rico, we're going to Modesto or, you know, or we're getting ready to go to Louisville or we're getting ready to go to Denver. Or we're getting ready to go to our county fair. That became interesting to me. That became what I was consumed with. And then as I was learning, as I was getting better and we were getting better and our pigs were doing better. Well, now all of a sudden that confidence starts to build. And I had a few kids in the, in the local area, um, uh, ask me for some help. I helped them. They won. And, you know, and I, and I drove home that day and, and I was hooked. I helped someone in a professional setting as in they, they seeked me out. They asked for my help. I, I found them an animal. I helped them throughout that process was, you know, the, the things that I learned with skin and hair and feeding and fitting. And then I just basically was like, I was like, I just made a decision in my mind subconsciously, like, this is it. This is what I'm going to do. And I told my dad that I can still remember what my dad told me this day. I told him right out in front of, of his office. And uh, he told me I was crazy. And he told me that there's, there's no job in that. I actually listened to him. And, and I was like, I, I, maybe I need to think about this. Then the, the critical conversation was, I, I'll never forget asking Steve Cobb, Steve, can I, can I really make a job at this? He said he was unsure. And, but I, I'll never forget what he told me. He said, there are gaps in this industry, Ernest, and there are gaps we need to fill if we're going to see it be as successful as we all want it to be. The gap he was talking about was help. The breeders are at their homes or their farms, and they're making these unbelievable animals, and they're making the genetic decisions to move forward and to, to create the next piece or build that's going to get them to a spot or their customers to a spot of success, hopefully. That becomes a consuming life. It, to clean, to breed, to farrow, to deliver, to vaccinate, to, to wean, you name it. It's, it's a, you know, anyone who breeds hogs understands just the time uh, that needs to be committed to that. Uh, in any of these species, it's not one species greater than the other. They're all hard. Well, in the hog industry, I would say the turnover is a little bit faster than the other ones. And that turnover allows you to start stacking. You know, as fast as you're selling a set, you're breeding the next set. As fast as you're breeding the next set and selling the next set, you're farrowing the set in between. And as fast as you're breeding the next set, then farrowing a set, and then selling a set, you might be fixing to show the, the set, the three sets before that. So from a breeding standpoint, and as competitive as this is getting, how much attention can they legitimately put on that family every day? Well, your good families that have a livestock nature, they're going to create the gap naturally. But what about the person that wants to put in the time? What about the person that has the desire? What about the person who has the budget? What about the person who's willing to build the pins? What about that person that their dad or their mom, dad's maybe owns a deli and mom's the accountant at the local you know bakery what about them what if someone went to see them a little bit and the person who did it didn't have any sales associated to them didn't have any another nine to five job taking away from you know their time every day that was the gap that steve was talking about so basically what i wanted to do was i wanted to specialize and a lot of people who have done what i do they get distracted by breeding show picks 
I'm not saying that breeding is a bad thing. If that's your love and that's your passion, I would advise everyone to do it. But I'm from Napa and I live on four acres and I have a country club across the street from me. I don't know how they're, how keen they're going to be to me having 50 squealing sows every morning when they're hungry. I doubt it. Okay. So for me, because of where I was at and because of, you know, I don't have wealthy parents. I didn't have any infrastructure really built up at 19. I was forced to say my ticket in the door was to trade these show pigs. Okay. Cause that's what it was called 10, 11 years ago was to find a pig and to sell it to someone and then to provide them with a lot of help in between with, with everything that I know. And then if they win or if they do well, or if they appreciate the help that I gave them, any one of them can bring a customer back in my opinion, then, then I have someone who, who's a believer now. And, uh, and that's how it, how it really started. It did not start as this is what I'm going to do. This is how I'm going to do it. It started with kind of learning. Then it started with kind of seeing where the gap was. And then it kind of started with, you know, getting a customer, not losing them, building another one. And then your brand kind of starts to take off or your name starts to take off. And before you know it, you have a little bit of a following. I mean, it's no different than how I met Trevor. We would go to Louisville every year. I would see Trevor at Louisville and, and we would show pigs that, that week. And if Trevor showed a good one, you know, I'd see that. And I'd know, hey, you know, that's their crew and they're from Ohio or if I saw someone else and that's a little bit of how our business works. You know, we see what someone else is doing and if it looks good or if it looks, we want to know more about that. So the more you can associate yourself with successful show pigs or animals that are elite, sometimes you don't even need to win to earn your, your, you know, your next customer. Sometimes some people go like, man, I saw that hog you had that was third in class. That was a stud. I want one like that for my kid. I'm okay with getting third. If that's the kind of hog I'm going to roll out of my trailer. Some people are like that. So you don't even need to always win. Or I've gained some customers because they simply just see the help that I provide. Or I've gained some just because they see the, the environment that we, uh, the, that we promote, you know, and the fun that the kids are having. So, so it's not always just about, you know, winning or, or a great pig. And, and I know that that's what sometimes the, the, you know, that's the easy way of looking at it. You know, like, Hey, if I just get everybody a great one, then, then, then I'll have a bunch of customers. Well, first off, there's not that many great ones, but there are that many customers Mm. and most of your customers are going to value great help. They're going to value pick. They're going to value you picking up your phone. They're going to value, they're going to value you being honest with them when their hogs aren't good enough and they're not going to win, which is hard to say knowing sometimes maybe you bought those animals. So so really, it's just it's 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 unbelievable how it snowballed, you know. But at the end of the day, it did not start like that. But but you know, we're here today, and this is what we're doing. And and you know, we're trying as hard as we can to help whatever the next step is for each one of our customers. Wow, big time stuff there. Whether it's ranch and farm imaging, senior pictures and wedding pictures, show photography and promotion, or fine arts and gifts. Legacy Livestock Imaging has it all. Visit LegacyLivestockImaging.com today and check out everything that they have to offer. Trevor, let me tell you something. Charles and Heidi Anderson know what happens when a livestock producer and photographer fall in love. They've created the nation's leading photography and marketing business. And Legacy Livestock Imaging was founded in 2011. So, They have some years under their belts as well. 
great people. Very excited to have them a part of the show. Speaking of show, let's get back to it with Ernest. What would you say in brief the model show family is? Uh, you know, you're all across the country helping folks out, but uh, you know, there's there's we all know that there's top level families. What would you share with our listeners? the model family that you could work with every single day of your life? So when you asked this question and I read it, Trevor, I thought I'm going to, I'm going to tell the truth and, and I'm going to tell them exactly how weird I am. And, uh, and it's funny that you asked this question because trust me, when I watched a show on Netflix, I don't know if you have either one of you ever watched a show called mind Hunter. Oh yeah. Oh Yes. Okay, so Richard Ressler, Robert Ressler, and and uh, Tinch, I can't remember his first name right now. You know, they worked in the FBI Behavioral Sciences uh, Division in the FBI. And up until this point of watching the show, I had never thought of this. When I watched this show, I turned it off and I was like, "Oh my God, I need to create that for the Show Pig family." And and so basically, just give people who haven't watched that show uh, a little rundown. First off, if you're, if you're a, a, a youth and you're listening to this right now, let's get some clearance from mom and dad before you watch <laughs> that show. Um, that is an adult show by, by you know, a 100% standard. Um, second, those are two guys that created a system for profiling criminals. And they created a system for looking at their criminal activity and what they did. And they could literally tell you to a T, it's, it's insane. I think it's the nuttiest, most insane thing you've ever seen that those guys can look at that and tell you the guy's age, his weight, his size, all this stuff. But basically, they haven't done anything that's, that's master mindful. They basically just looked at what was uh, a common theme in, all, in different things. So I started looking at like all the families that I ever helped. And, and I actually made this even before you wrote it down. I have it in my office. I've written down that seven characteristics of what I believe I want to look at and see where that family kind of sits on the scale. And it's not that one will make it more successful than the other. Like say you hit on all seven of these, but that means you're going to win over a person who maybe doesn't hit on a couple of them. What it allows me to do is figure out how I'm best going to help you. Cause I don't care if you raise your hog in a tough shed at grandma's house and um and you only see the hog you know in the evenings because you can't feed in the mornings trust me i've won with that combination before i'm not scared i don't care if you've got a barn and you can put 16 barrows on feed um from five different breeders in, in five different states and and your kid's an absolute just savage on a stick um i can win with that too none of these scare me so when i look at what you know is like the perfect profile for a customer the number one thing I found that is important for a great show family is who cares the most. I always say who cares the most. Is it the showman? Is it the mom? Is it the dad? Is it the brother? Is it the uncle? Is it the FFA teacher? Is it the neighbor? Is it the, the former helper? Is it me? You know, who cares the most? In my opinion, there's no greater show family to start with. than when the showman cares the most, when that hurt, when that youngster cares the most, that is the ingredient I need the most because when we get into two through seven here, I can blow two through seven away. If I'm not absolutely perfect in those categories, if I got a kid who's ready to run through a wall, but if, but when I don't have the kid 
that cares the most, when mom cares the most or dad cares the most, or the older brother that maybe didn't get it done or older sister that's still going to college kind of cares the most, but they still are trying to get their younger sibling to maybe push through. Or if it's a sibling that maybe hasn't found their sport or their thing in life and they're kind of bouncing around, but they're kind of one foot in, one foot out on this project because they're, they're not totally sure about it or they feel a little insecure about it, whatever it is, doesn't matter. When I got a showman that cares the most, man, I just feel like anything's possible. When that kid messages me, when that kid tells me if they're sniffling, if that kid tells me that they haven't ate, or if that kid, you know, when I look at their videos, their hogs are brushed or clean, or if I come to their barn, their pins are clean and their, their board is written with their weights and their feeding and the kids pointing at it and the kids saying what they need. Obviously kids need help, you know, driving to get feed, paying for stuff. I get it. It's not, the kid can't dominate the whole project. But man, when you've got a kid that's wound up to raise a great show hog, I just, I just get the, I just, my shoulders start shaking. It's kind of like warm up lines in basketball when, when you're just, you know, and you're going to go off for 30, you know what I mean? You just getting that feeling. And uh, that's my number one thing that's important to me is who cares the most. That's the question I got to ask the minute I, I engage with any family. And when I've identified that the kid cares the most, then, then I feel that's perfect. If I feel that the kid does not care the most, then I want to assess then what's going on here. If I feel that we can build that kid up and we need to do what it takes to build that confidence and to give them the, the, the necessary tools to, to have that, that, you know, that, that urge and that desire to start taking control of this project. If I feel the kid is, is, is out and this is kind of a, you know, another source around them is kind of driving this whole thing. You know, you, you have to keep things in perspective, you know, I mean, what's the kid going to learn or what's that, that family going to learn if, if just everything's done for this kid and they win it, you know, I, I don't really believe in that, you know, and, and if, and, and I understand that, in my job, that's cost me some families maybe, but at the end of the day, I want to do it. I've only got so much time and I want to do it with the people that align with my same values and my same beliefs. And, uh, and if the kid's just totally out, then it's hard for me to, to engage emotionally and to really bring myself to the level that I need to get to, to you know, have the energy we got to have to go on these road trips and these plane flights and the, to, to drive 14 hours in a day to check pigs and to do all the stuff we need to do it. It's hard to do it when, when you know, you're coming to a place that, you know, the kid doesn't really care. Um, the second thing is communication. You know, uh, it's really, really hard to succeed in this business without people who want to communicate. My best communicators are hands down my most successful families. You know, the people who are communicating their weight, communicating health, communicating the behavior of their hog, whether they're having a problem hog, you know, and it's, it's not wanting to do what it does. You know, it's not wanting to act right or get on the whip correctly or get out. Whatever the issue is, if they're not able to find a bag of feed, the communicators and the people that relay that information and the faster we solve that information, the faster we move to the next step, the faster we move the next step, the faster we get to the level that we're wanting to go at. So communication, it's really, really hard to, uh, to have success in any type of joint venture without great communication. And, uh, and I find that's important. Number three is facility. Um, everybody has a different facility. You know, everybody has to uh, continue to evolve their facility where they're, where they're incubating their animal, you know, because this is ultimately like a, 
you know, this little animal that we're going to bring in at 45, 50 pounds or whatever size you bring it in, you know, ultimately we're trying to make it this, you know, mobile cinder block, you know, with look and, and sex appeal. And, you know, that's hard to do if you don't have a wash rack. It's hard to do if you don't have a somewhere to walk it. It's hard to do if, if your, your pins are, are, you know, the size of a shoebox. It's hard to do if your hog's sitting out in the sun. You have to make a commitment to getting your facility to a minimum rec requirement. You know, that minimum level has those basic uh, features and those basic tools. And then if you're not able to do something, you know, you have to figure it out. Like, for example, we didn't have wash rack when I was a kid. My dad backed my trailer up to my pins and we loaded them up uh, into a trailer and we just washed them in the back of a trailer because we didn't have anywhere that would, they wouldn't just get muddy when we washed them. So, so we, you know, we adjusted. So I get it. You go to some places, you see a fancy wash rack or some fancy sun tanning pins. I'm not going to lie. It looks cool and it's really effective, but the kid who's loading his hog up into a, you know, an old two stall horse trailer or just an old box trailer or something, they took the wheels off and put it in. Trust me, I've seen it all. Um, he's still getting the job done. He simply adjusted to his situation. So people who adjust to their situation and, and, and maintain their facility and beat their facility up, that personality and that show family is going to have success. So you don't have to have the Ritz Carlton, but you got to give them that, those basics. Number four, take directions. It's really, really hard um, to help people when they want to tell you how they want to do it, um, which I don't have a problem with. Just tell me you want to do it. You know what I mean? Just tell me you want to do it this way and I'll let you do it that way. Um, but the people who take directions and allow, you know, 25 years of experience of raising a show pig and 12 years of experience of raising um, elite show pigs and helping people in all different circumstances and regions and parts of the country and different levels of success we've had, we have a rolling playbook and, and allow that playbook to take effect for you. I, I would advise that to anyone. We don't hold anything back from people. So when I give you a direction or tell you to do something, my most successful families, they're Indians, they're not chiefs. And then that's not a derogatory way of me taking control, but I'm, I'm really just honestly, when I give directions or say to do it that way, it's, the way we have found that has been the most successful and, and the technique that we've probably advised you to use has been the technique that we've found applies that the best. So when we, when we give directions, we're not just like, Oh, look, we got a little test tube here. We're just going to make you, you know, jump on one leg and pat your head and rub your belly. You know, we're not, we're not, we don't do as much R and D as what we used to, you know, this is a pretty well-written plan we have now. And that's why we're able to replicate our success. Um, you know, across the country and, and do it well. We just, we're just doing what's worked is all, you know. Um, number five, and these are some, some five, six, and seven are, are ones that I find uh, in some of my, in, in my, uh, my beginning level stuff. Number five, do they live with their animal? I deal with a lot of kids that don't live with their animal here in California. I deal with a lot of FFA chapters where kids are raising them at a school farm. And when you don't live with your animal, I give a, a, a different set of directions for, for those types of kids because their criteria is different. When you're able to live with your animal, you're able to go see them as much as you want. When you don't live with your animal, you need to be efficient in the time that you're with your animal. So your checklist of when you get there, health, demeanor, you know, feet and legs, you know, uh, facility, you know, 
making sure your water's on. I know it seems, I know it seems uh, uh, very basic and, and just like stone age for, for guys like us talking about, well, you don't live with your animals. I mean, I've always lived with my animals, but some of these kids don't live with their animals and, and, you know, a water gets turned off because someone else came out there and they turned the water off or someone, you know, you know, your hog got out or whatever, and then they put it back in the wrong pen. I mean, I trust me, I've heard stories all over, you know, the shade netting was getting replaced, but they decided to take it down, but they decided to not put it back up for three more days. So then, you know, the hogs got roasted because the sun crept in, you know, I I've been a part of so many um, just unfortunate occurrences. And it's one of those things where if you had lived with it and it was just your animals out there, you would know everything that's going on. So once we identify that someone does not live with their animal, we, we make sure that they have a criteria of when they come out, that they're efficient and they kind of check on everything, kind of know everything's right. And then when they leave, you know, now it's okay to be gone for 10 hours, 11 hours, and you know, your animal's going to be okay. Mm. Um, number six, experience, experience level. You know, you have to be aware immediately of the experience level of, of the family that you're helping. Um, you cannot ask a young eight-year-old girl who's never shown or a young eight-year-old boy that's never shown to just expect them to have heads up, double whip, you know, just dialed in in the first month. It, it's an, uh, it's an unreasonable uh, goal uh, to, to believe that a youngster. Now, you can start to build the basic fundamentals for building them up and, and getting them to that point. But I believe in not overloading people. I believe when people are overloaded and overwhelmed, the project begins to be not as fun and enjoyable. And at the end of the day, it's going to sound corny when I say this, but I believe it to my core. This has to be fun. This has to be enjoyable. If this is not enjoyable, we need to reassess the whole thing. Okay. When my daughter wants to come out as a two-year-old and, and, and do bongo drums on our, on our pigs that we're about to sell, I don't care if they run around and they jump on each other. I get it. They can get injured. And that's probably the stockman in me should probably tell my daughter to not spook the hogs. But man, it's really hard seeing any kid at, at whatever age they're at enjoying something about their hog. You know, whether it's them sleeping with their hog or laying on it or reading a book or them, you know, dressing it up. Trust me, once again, I've seen it all. You know, if that's what is enjoyable for them. I get it. We all want to walk in a stud, big legged barrow with a big back and, and just wipe them clean. But man, you know, sometimes we got to roll back and remember that the experience level should allow everyone to enjoy this project at their own pace. And, uh, and with what's going on in our world right now with shows being canceled and things like that, I think we're learning about enjoyment level right now quite a bit, mm -hmm. you know, um, number seven and the final one, how they handle the spectrum of success and defeat. Um, it's going to be a hard road if, if you're in this just to win all the time. It's going to be a hard road in this if you can't handle losing. It's going to be a hard road if you do win a lot and you act like a, you know, a, an idiot. It's going to be a hard road if, if, if you, you win and, and you just think that that's it and, and you, know, you ain't got nothing to work on. I, I've just found that when I'm looking at a family, I want to watch and I want to observe how they're going to handle success. You know, I, I developed a saying that um, when you lose, you need to be quiet. And when you win, you need to be even quieter. And, and that's something that I've tried to live by because when I lose, I don't need to be running up and down the barn 
barking up a big storm. And when I'm fortunate enough to have success, I need to be even quieter because there are people around you that didn't win that day. And, and, and it stings even more when, when we see people who have success in this livestock thing, you know, like to rub it in your face or, you know, say it in which there's individuals that are going to act like that. And, and, you know, and, 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 you know, they're, they're entitled to do it the way they want, but the crew and the kids and the people that I want to be around, I want to promote a, uh, a system to where when we, when we lose, you can't tell that we're disappointed or you can't tell that we're down because we're not, we're not barking about it. And I really want to make sure, and if you lose, I'm more okay with you losing and having a little bit of a, a moment. I'm not okay with winning and, 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 and trying to boast on people. Um, I've never boasted one victory in my life showing pigs. Now, if you want to play open gym basketball and, and I drain a three in your eye, I'm going to let you know about it the whole way down the court. But there's something about, there's something about showing pigs. And since I've been a role model in it, there's something about it that's made me kind of, kind of halt my own, you know, aggressive, competitive, you know, desires that I have inside me. Because I, I'll be honest with you, I am a type of person that when I have success that I want everyone to know it. I do. And I want my families to be proud in it. And I want them and I want the kids to know how hard they work for it. But I do believe that, that there is an honor that when you, you, you know, the way the, the show livestock criteria works, man, it's just, just, there's one or two or three, or sometimes the way divisions break down, it's a small, tiny fraternity there at the top when you have a good day and you can be the fly on the windshield so quickly in this that I just, it scares the, the living death out of me to boast because I feel like you're just setting yourself up to get crunched the next day. And, uh, and, and, you know, and that, and that hurts sometimes. So, so I really try to, uh, you know, I try to watch the spectrum and I try to watch myself too, you know, and, 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 and so, so how I'm acting in front of people too. So, uh, so the, the spectrum of success. So, you know, who cares the most communication facility, take directions, do they live with their animal experience level and how do they handle the spectrum of success and defeat? That's my seven FBI show pigs, uh, Robert wrestler, uh, mind hunter, um, uh, wannabe, uh, levels that I made, you know, and, uh, and we, uh, and we live by those things. Most of my families listen to these episodes, but it's no longer an option. Uh, boy, I, I'll never forget messaging you, Ernest, uh, years ago thinking, man, I want to do this show pig thing and help people out. And you gave me a, a very nice long text message and I read it frequently. Uh, but man, that is quite the blueprint. And, um, I hope people take notes on that. I did. I know I say that a bunch, but this is my life. And to put it, uh, into a profiler's perspective is, is incredible. So, uh, boy, oh boy, we're only halfway through this deal, Corey. <laughs> I love it. So, um, but let's uh, let's jump into our first segment. Topics from a hat, Ernest. This is the cool stuff we could do with the soundboard. Topics from a hat, brought to you by Fierce Threads and our good friend Mark and Jenna Stanley. The Big Paw brand is really cool, and I'm sure this time of year, uh, with people locked indoors. Uh, not going so well on the on the banking accounts uh, as far as buying things goes, but they're getting high quality products. I know for sure. Uh, lots of people out there 
ordering their apparel from Fierce Threads. Uh, they're doing a special right now, Trev. They are. 10% off and free shipping. Jump Not on that. about that. Yes. Yep. So make sure that uh, if you've got some apparel to get made, go give the folks at Fierce Threads a visit on fierce-threads.com. So, Ernest, this comes from a listener on Facebook um, in a really an interesting topic because I feel like uh, the majority of us um, that have started in this thing don't start with a big name. But here, here's his, here's his uh, topic. He says, we don't have a big name in the livestock industry, and my son always gets beat by bigger names at State Fair. We work hard at home, and we do all we can to win, but don't have the money and the name like some of the other families we show against. I'm just curious to know your thoughts on this concept. So, so um, I, I'm going to tell the, I'm going to give a, this, the answer to this question I is non-negotiable that I know I'm right when I give the answer. Um, I know exactly how to do this for, for people. Um, the first example I'm going to give you is, is, you know, if I wanted to grow up and, and I wanted to, uh, to raise show pigs, um, one of the common things that happens in life is, uh, when we have like a father or an uncle or an older brother, someone that paves the way for us, you know, I'll give you a great example. Say your name was like Peyton Manning or your name was like Eli Manning. And say you grew up your whole life and, and you wanted to play quarterback and say you needed to learn, you know, how to hold the ball. Say you needed to learn like a three-step drop. They say you needed to learn how to read coverage. Wouldn't it be nice if every evening you could like sit in and talk to somebody who knew about all that? Oh my God. Their father was Archie Manning, who played professional football. You know, there's this this question right here that we're getting beat by the bigger names at State Fair. When you're getting beat by somebody, you know, you have a couple choices here. You know, you can cry and whine about it and say, like, well, they're not better than me, or or you can break your program down. So the key to getting beat by somebody or to be recognizing where you're falling short to you know, at a show level or whatever is not to actually look at them or to look at the show to break your whole program down. And to be honest, you know, a lot of people like to lie to themselves, you know, um, a lot of people like to tell themselves like, you know, I could have been this, or I could have done that. You know, when we lost shows or when we didn't do good, my dad would never let me blame it on anyone else. He made me blame it on myself. He made me demand that I figure out and what I do and I need to get better. And when we, so when we don't do good enough, I always tell my kids, I don't even discuss judge. I'm not even to discuss the other hog. I'm not even going to discuss uh, the other person. I'm not even going to discuss any of that unless we were dead on with everything. So, but if, if that kid's hog drove out that day and we had the best one and it was flat out dialed in, then that's it. It's done. You drove out, you're done. You can't, you can't complain. You needed to have more stamina in your animal. Or if you go out there and your skin and hair wasn't on point, you know, you had a black one and you weren't jet black. Or if you had a white one, you weren't perfectly white. You had cut marks all over it or you didn't, you know, haul it correctly and it turned around in its pen and it roughed up its eye guards and, you know, whatever it is, I don't care. If you're not totally dialed in, quit wasting your time observing the other people. Well, the first way to figuring out that you're not totally dialed in is observing yourself. I believe the answer to beating the bigger name at all is solved by us looking at ourselves closer. You know, when I think now back to, 
you know, the last, you know, we've been fortunate the last three years at state fair to have a state champion. Uh, we won the, the last two guilt shows. Uh, and then we won the Barrow show last year. When I think of those three animals to use them as an example, they put them away that day because we didn't leave any holes open mm. and we didn't leave any holes open because of the progressive approach we took over the years. You know, I was 11 years into this and I had four reserve grand champions at California state fair in a row. And then we finally won it here, you know, about, you know, 12 years into doing this kind of professionally. And then my whole life, I, I never, you know, raised a, uh, a, uh, you know, a grand champion at my local County fair, you know, the progressive approach continues to get better every year and it continues to not make the same mistake, you know, the last three years. And, and we've really, we've really kind of heated up the last five to six years, I'd say. And, you know, when I look at some of the state champions and reserve champions we've raised and, and some of the national champions, we're, we're starting to see more of those consistently now the last three years because the approach is tighter. There's a reason why when I look at pictures in the first seven to eight years of raising these pigs, I can literally point out to you the mistakes we made, the, the mistakes we made in selection of the mistakes we made in fitting, the mistakes we made in clipping, the mistakes we made in, in, you know, when we gave water or how we fed them on the stretch, the mistakes we made and how we weighed them in. I, I could have whined on those days. And trust me, when I roll back to those days, I did whine. I did put it on some other stuff. But if you want to beat the bigger name, you need to break down your feeding program. You need to break down your health program. You need to break down your facility. You need to break down your showmanship. You need to break down your skin and hair. You need to make, break down your show management decisions and whatever you can trail any of your mistakes back to, you got to fix that. Because one thing I will say about the bigger names, you know how they got their name? They got their name by being good at what they do. You know, Peyton Manning might've been a big name. You know, his dad might've been a big deal. Well, Peyton's also pretty good. Okay. At the end of the day, sometimes we just look at the bigger name and we want to create this excuse in our mind that, they have more than us. So they got an easier opportunity. And we kind of want to play poor me. Like you got to throw that mentality out the door and never let it back in the house. You, you've really got to just pour yourself into what you do. And if you know, you've got this one part of your pen that your hog always runs on or workout arena where it always scratches itself. You need to fix that. You know, if, if you've got a suntan area and the hogs always get hot and you got to take them out early and, and you're not able to keep them cool enough in there, then you need to put a fan out there. You know, you, you need to adjust and you need to fix things and, and you fix things by understanding what your problems are and you understand what your problems are by evaluating yourself. So, so if you want to beat the bigger name and you're a person out there, you know, quit worrying about them and start worrying about yourself. Mm. Mm -mm -mm. Take that to a lot of parts of life, just not showing livestock, <laughs> which is one of the many lessons that we learned from this deal. Another quick interruption. Just want you guys to know that we are still on full planning mode of the show tour happening in 2020, powered by Honor Show Feeds. This is very exciting, and once all this virus stuff blows over, Corey and I are extremely excited to get back out on the road and give you the 2020 Stock Talk Podcast show tour, powered by Prina Honor Show Feeds. Be looking for more information on our website and social media channels for the 2020 Stock Talk Podcast Show Tour. Let's get back to it with Ernest. 
So when, when it comes to learning lessons, we are learning a, an interesting lesson right now um, with dealing with this COVID-19. And uh, we have we have talked uh, for the last couple of weeks now on the show, and it seems like it's progressed differently, obviously, week by week. It, the first time we started talking, it was kind of like a, hey, we don't know enough about this right now. Let's not freak out and and take it kind of as it comes. And then it was a, Hey, we know more about this. And now shows are starting to cancel. Um, things are shifting and changing and um, obviously people finding alternatives, but now uh, Ernest in your part of the country uh, it's County fair season for you right now. And so that's, that's the crazy part about this is as there's kids that never saw this coming when they bought their projects um, and and now that they have them and they're, they're in peak show season, uh, things have got to be done um, to allow those kids the opportunity to, to continue on and, and finish out the thing they've started. So um, what's kind of the mindset uh, for you guys and what are, what are people doing out, out your direction to kind of combat some of that? So, you know, this, uh, you know, the situation we're in, you know, we're obviously we're all in it together. Um, you know, it's a, it's a human, uh, thing above everything. So that's why it takes precedence over everything we do. So, so fairs and, you know, NBA and NFL and, you know, whatever it may be, you know, churches, you know, nothing is, is, uh, is, you know, safe from, from this, you know, but right now fair wise, you know, we're, we, we sold some Mayfair hogs in January and, uh, and, you know, we're, we're, we got some fairs that are hanging on by a, a thread trying to make it happen. Um, we got some fairs that are canceling and, you know, there's a couple different mindsets that I'm seeing with the canceling. Um, you know, I just talked to a parent today. Um, and, and he says, no, we're, we're, we're continuing on with our hogs. You know, we, my son, he started something and, and his two cousins are there at the, on the property. And, and, uh, you know, we started it and we're finishing it and we want to continue to get better. And, um, and, you know, I want the kids to continue to learn and, and continue to, uh, to, to build that, that toolbox. And that for me this morning, I needed to hear that a little bit because I've also had some conversations where it's like, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to lose my money or what the heck, this isn't fair, you know, and it, and it begins to be a lot, you know, I, I only have one child and, um, at least that I know about. And, uh, I, want to make sure that I raise her, you know, with the best mindset and beliefs as possible. And, you know, my mindset and all this is like, if you're fair canceled and you're a senior, my heart really hurts for you. I mean, and if you had big goals and if you were really trying to do it right, that to a degree is irreplaceable. Now, what I will say though, is there are other shows you can go to. There are shows around this country and in the local area. And if you're determined enough and you're, and you really want to get out there for one more go and not have, you know, coronavirus be your, your, your final swan song, then plan that and get that figured out and find that show that you can go to that, that you can do. Obviously your, your last go at your County fair is, is, is gone and nothing's going to replace that. But if you really are motivated and you really do care, and it was really about getting out there one more time, then you will get out there one more time. If it wasn't really about that, then you'll say that because it's a good little violin tune, but ultimately you didn't really care that much. Um, you know, the other tune I'm hearing is kids that are worried about losing money. You know, I, I help a lot of kids that raise $350, $400 pigs, and we help them just like someone who'd raise a $10,000 barrel. 
Um, if you send videos or if you do the work or if we show up and you're there ready to go, it doesn't matter. Some of those kids are on the line. You know, they get they get loans from the from their uh, local farm credit or, or, you know, their local agency or their ag chapter fronts them and, and finances them. You know, feed might be hard to pay for. You know, they might have needed that premium sale to roll into the next year. You know, we're going to look to see how we want to help those customers. And if, and if I'm to be totally honest, those are the kids that I'm worried about the most. I worry not about the kids that were really, really pumped to show. I worry about them, but not the most. I worry about the kids that are disappointed. I really, really worry about the kid who was close financially on doing this project and maybe their family's financially in a spot. And with all that happening in work, maybe some kids say next year, hey, you know, just because of what happened next year, we can't do it this year. That, that is the person, that's the demographic that I w- I'm going to find those people. I'm going to make sure whoever's on my, under my umbrella that bought a hog this last year, that we're going to do everything in our power to help that kid show again next year. And, um, and we'll figure it out through their ag program or through their family or, or whatever we need to do. So, so we're hearing a little bit of everything. Um, you know, kids are disappointed, but, but my, what my real advice is to those kids is, is I would, I would maybe adjust how you're feeding your pig because I understand financially supplements and show feeds can get expensive. If you don't have a show to go to, I, I would not, uh, I would not be against the kid maybe throwing it on a cheaper bag of feed being, being financially, uh, um, you know, uh, aware of, of them not going farther in the hole, but I would challenge two kids, you know, all of the kids, two things for the kids that, that I'm working with. I'm challenging them to do two things. Number one, I want you to elevate your, your game and your marketing program and how you reach people. I want you to make a home video. You know, we've got enough time to make TikToks and Snapchats all day. Why can't we do a home video um, or something we can send a prospective buyer since we can't do a face-to-face right now? Why don't we do something where you market your animal, separate yourself, find a way to recoup your funds? Number two, what I'm promoting kids is, is if your if your show is as put into the virtual show, or if they've or if you don't have a virtual show, or you can enter a virtual show, and if you want to continue to raise your animal, then let's see how high we could have taken this. Because one thing that, like I said in the earlier thing, is I believe that this is a progressive approach. I believe that raising livestock it snowballs. I tell the kids all the time, you never know if there's something you learn in this set that's going to get you to win in the next set. And, and I, I swear on that, like another one to my core, I can tell you all the time about that butthead hog that we couldn't get trained last set. And then we got a butthead the next set, but we learned those things. And now we got the next one to show. And then boom, we get to the show. We're able to get him put together and he sustains uh, pace during the show and he doesn't run out of gas or he doesn't get mad. It's the things you learn with the last hog that didn't allow you to win because you didn't have those skills. It's the things those things allowed you to win with this set because you had that in your toolbox. So the kids that are continuing on and their shows canceled, they're still sending videos. They're still trying to learn. They're still weighing. They're still brushing. They're still washing. They're still tanning. They're still trying to get their hog dialed in. Uh, those are the kids that I think are really understanding what it means to raise uh, a piece of livestock and to really push yourself to be your best. Because now you're not allowing the outside conditions to affect your drive you know um there's certain types of personalities uh it's too hot today i don't want to go for a run uh it's too cold today i don't want to go for a run oh it's drizzling a little bit i don't want to go for a run 
you know what? The person who's running every day, that's the person you need to worry about because nothing's stopping that person. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so I'm, I'm observing how people are handling it. And once again, you know, we're seeing the personalities that are, are driven. And, uh, and, you know, that conversation this morning, I'll be straight up. I fired me up. That's Jason Perry uh, in Vacaville, California. His boy, Vinny Perry, and, and his, his older son drives and goes to get pigs a little bit for me. When Jason told me that, that reaffirmed me uh, a, a direction as a father that I believed in. I believe in what he's doing. And I would do the same thing with my own child that he's doing with his. And there's other ones I can mention right now, but that just happened to be a phone call that I, I had this morning because he's a Vacaville PD guy. And there was all over the news this morning. There was a wild chase through Vacaville and I called him to see if he was on it. But uh, then we got to talking about hogs and, and, you know, that was the, the tone that he set. And I told him I was hundred percent behind it. Mm. So, uh, so we're hearing, we're hearing some different things, but um, I think ultimately uh, I still believe that how you want to handle your hog is still in your control. That show though, and that outlet is simply been eliminated. Right. Find another outlet though, and, and go pursue it. Right. Yeah. I, that's a good thing. It's kind of, um, it's another different avenue from what we've been talking about. Uh, you know, the past couple episodes have been uh, the coronavirus centered uh, w- within reason. Uh, there's been a lot of discussion about that, but that's the mindset we need to have. I couldn't agree more. And, uh, you know, it, it kind of parlays in into our discussion. And one thing I do want to maybe switching gears just a tid, but uh, I, I messaged you the other day. I texted you after I saw a video on Facebook that you guys created, and I, th- I thought it was so awesome. Uh, and if there was any way I could be involved, I was all about it uh, because you and I have the same values when it comes to uh, making sure families are taken care of and taken care of right. And I love the video that you had. And, and I want you to explain a little bit more about that. And I know uh, the nuts and bolts of that video is the core of what you've been talking about. So most of it's already covered. But uh, just the the summary of the field day video that you posted on, on Facebook there um, a couple weeks ago. Uh, just tell us what went into that, and um, you know the video is incredibly done uh, to a high degree, and everything that was kind of said in there uh, just summarizes what you've been saying. But talk a little bit about the field day video. So we uh, we just you know we we have months out here May, June, July, August, and September that um, there's county fairs going on in, in every month, and and you know we sell anywhere between 200 and 300 pigs in all of those months. And so how we're educating people, you know, I started this business basically being able to go around to everybody's place and, and visit them individually. Um, that's becoming more difficult. And, and my customers are aware of that. Now we're still able to do the videos, but ultimately we wanted to come up with a system to where we start to bring people to our location and we start to de- clearly define how we teach these subjects and, you know, how we teach health, how we teach building a pen and facility, how we teach feeding our animals, how we teach skin and hair and tanning and how we teach showmanship and training. And, you know, we want to get our, our thoughts and our beliefs and our concepts directly to people and answer their questions and do it in a fun, you know, interactive format. And uh, so I just, you know, I, I, I built a little grassy area at my property for my daughter's first birthday party because uh, we didn't have a lot of birthday parties growing up when I was younger. And I told my, my wife, one thing I want to make sure that we do is, is have, you know, events and, and things with our kids, you know, teams and stuff like that. So 
we built this great area, but we really don't use it that much. And, and then one day I just told myself, I'm like, man, I'm just going to bring everybody here and, and, and we're just going to start teaching this stuff. So I sat down with, with my crew, you know, a lot of the kids that have shown with me for six to eight years, we all got a subject. We all went over every subject. We went over it in depth and how we do it. And, uh, and then we brought, you know, we had a hundred people here, 110, we had like 85 kids. And uh, we were missing um, a couple kids from a couple schools that got shut down. They were the very first um, Corona deal to shut down though. So those kids couldn't come, but we were, we were supposed to have about 112 kids here. And, um, and we just basically went over everything. And I, and I believe this is the future of what we're going to do. The future of what we're going to do is we're going to perfect and master these field days. And, you know, we're creating display boards right now and we're creating banners for each section we're going to beef every area you know i'm um, i'm discussing um you know i have a couple people who want to sponsor this pretty seriously and uh discussing a title sponsor for it and and then discussing some small sponsorships in this in on the side but i don't really want this to become a product push that's not my goal is not to say i'm bringing you here now buy all this stuff from me mm-hmm. you know a, a lot of these camps and a lot of these these things i'm not i'm not i'm not bad mouthing any of them i believe anything that's being done to educate and teach people and those people are willingly coming there that that's what that person needs to do and i'm all for that okay i'm just simply saying at ernest donnie show pigs if you buy a pig from us we are going to create an outlet for you to get a lot of information in a day uh, whether it's literature that we hand out, whether it's demonstrations, whether it's discussions, whether it's question and a, and if you want to take that time to make it to wherever that location is, you're going to learn a lot. Cause I don't want people who buy pigs from us to feel like they're restricted or they're not learning what they need to learn. And I also don't want the things we teach subconsciously, you know, like I subconsciously grab pigs and make them walk because I, I just know how they move. And I know that I, I need to do a better job of explaining what I'm seeing, what I'm observing, why I'm doing this, why I'm doing that. That's what the field days are about, Trevor. Corey. That's a that's but a tough about, concept too. Is you know you've you've been doing it all your life. You just kind of grab and go. But how do you teach a ten, well, any age really? How do you teach that person uh, those little things? And I've actually had to bring my sister along with some of those. Like, hey tell me how I taught you this <laughs> because sometimes you're, you're right. It's a second nature. You grab it and go, but uh, I didn't mean to cut you off there, but that just kind of slipped in my brain there. No, no, you're right. I mean, we, Trevor, we're doing these things and we're, you know, like we're saying, Hey, make sure you put suntan in your hog, but are we showing them what to use? Are we showing them where to put it? Are we showing them how to take it off? I know that sounds like we're slowing it down a lot, but you know, ultimately I look at my customer base like a pro baseball organization. I have kids that are playing at the major league level and they're at the major league level because they've learned how to hit a 95 mile an hour fastball and deposit it into right field. But I've got some kids that are just trying to get the ball off the tee, Trevor. Right. And, and, and the better I can teach them and bring them from tee ball, a coach pitch, coach pitch to mound pitch to mound pitch to high school ball to high school ball, to pro ball, you know, the better we develop these people, you know, everybody says, you know, not everybody can be the Yankees. Not everybody can just go out and buy a great pig or grab a collection of great pigs, have a professional fitter on him. 
some teams out there like the Oakland A's, who I'm a fan of, we have what's called a farm system. You know, if we don't develop our players and bring them up, we can't go out and get Giancarlo Stanton. We can't go out and get Bryce Harper. You know what I mean? If we don't develop him, it's not going to happen. So the way I look at it is, is we've had a lot of success developing people and developing families. We simply want to be create a great way and a great format for that development. And we want it to be fun. And we want our young customers to be able to learn things that they learn today. We want our parents to be able to learn something. We want our most experienced kids who are on the verge of doing something, learning something. And I want my kids who have done it for years. I want those kids to continue to help with these field days for years to come. I was as proud of the kids that were up there that were teaching, knowing that they were once taught. And now they're teaching these subjects. That was as proud and as special to me as it was seeing kids who are close there that day. And that's the most frustrating thing for me personally right now in these, these field days. It, number one is the shows being canceled. That's frustrating. Number two is we were really getting ready to tee off on these field days and to dig into all these June fairs and July fairs and August fairs and September fairs. I was getting locations figured out. So, but that's okay. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to take a deep breath here. And, and, you know, get past that. But ultimately, the field days are now about creating a very articulated way of describing how we do things that's very detailed and, and precise so that the confusion and the communication gap is eliminated. We want to come up with unbelievable ways of, of, of explaining things to our customers so that they can learn. And, and ultimately, so that, you know, anyone out in those in the in the stands that day or anyone that comes to these that buys a pig for me can really learn how to walk in a, a 275 pound agile you know perfectly presented head up animal that can sustain its stamina for 15 25 minutes i know on show day when we see kids that can do that they make it look easy but there's you know there's 100 to 140 days of work usually that goes into those animals that uh that creates that and the process is very precise. So we simply want to want to uh, create a way that people can learn that. And that's what the field days are for. Absolutely. No, I've, I love the video and everything that it stood for. I knew what you stood for to begin with, but the video just kind of showed everybody else that. So I uh, thought it was really cool. So um, now Corey, this will be interesting. This has been uh, a very passionate episode and uh, another segment that we love uh, called Social Smash. Social Smash. Yeah, Ernest, you said you had to take a deep breath uh, while we're trying to reorganize and organize this field day. Uh, take another deep breath because Social Smash can get kind of interesting depending on how heated uh, a person would like to get or how far down a rabbit hole somebody wants to get. So Social Smash brought to you by Brad Hal Ford, located in Kokomo, Indiana. Obviously, times are a little different right now, but the folks at Brad Hal Ford can hook you up to get you into that brand new diesel truck or just that little travel to town car because you got to sell your truck. That's fine. They can hook you up. Go visit the folks at Brad Hall Ford located in Kokomo, Indiana with great customer service and award-winning services as well. So social smash. Um, we, we've, we've gone positive. We've gone um, corrective. We've gone sometimes a little negative. But uh, 
this topic seems interesting, especially <laughs> given the, the the fact that people are probably spending more times on mobile devices now uh, than even before, which is a scary thought. But what is your biggest pet peeve on social media or in the industry in general? Um, so this was pretty easy to me because it, it drives me through the wall. Um, I hate when we, when we get on social media and, and we make fun of people who don't know what they're doing. Mm. I, I just can't stand it. Yeah. Like Freddie four H's, you know, or look at, you know, we, we make fun of someone's rig that they drove in on. And I, and I understand it's, it's sometimes it's just in a good laugh and I get it, but man, it drives me nuts. Like when we, when we want to get high and mighty, like when we, you know, maybe we finally got into a spot we feel comfortable about in our, our social hierarchy and how we do things. And now we're going to, we're going to get on social media or put a picture up of someone's rig or someone's pin set up or what someone's hogs look like. You know, some people are just uneducated, you know what I mean? And that's really another pet peeve I have is I hate the word Freddie 4-H'er or Johnny 4-H'er. You know, Steve Cobb and I were talking about it the other day and, and, and I, I said to Steve, I was like, he was telling me a story about someone telling him out, you know, they were like, and I don't, and you tell Aaron, I don't care about his little Johnny 4-H'ers that he wants to sell club pigs to that, that we want to raise a hundred thousand dollar boar. And, and, you know, Aaron was young at the time. He was only 15 or 16 when this guy told him that. And, you know, Aaron went home and was like, you know, so-and-so said, I, I need to not worry about Johnny 4-H'er and we just need to make big time boars. And, and, you know, and ultimately, you know, I learned it from those guys about how to help people. You know what I mean? Like, I don't care. Like when I see people put up like a picture or want to make fun, honestly, I want to go help them. When I see someone holding their whip like backwards in the arena, I want to go help the person. I know that sounds like I'm some humanitarian, but I'm just saying I was once that person. I was once the person that we loaded my first set of pigs in a topless United Rentals trailer and we lassoed the pig and we, we, we drug it into the, the trailer with it all like locked up, like, you know, like a horse running and like skidding and like locking its legs up. You know what I mean? Like we drugged the hog into the trailer that way. And, and I showed with a big old cane and pan feeders and, you know, and they were floppy eared Landris hamp crosses or something, whatever like that. And, uh, we all love to get a chuckle out of that person, but, there's, there's no telling if that person or, or who they are isn't, isn't really passionate about what they do, but they just have no clue what they're doing. Right. So if we get all high and mighty on them and we, and we push them down then like, you know, how do we know? It's like, we talk about it all the time in like athletics, we, in sports, it's like number one story you want to tell is when someone came out of this, you know, awkward situation or, or they, they were this against all odds person, you know, and then they make it, well, in our business, they just came out of all odds and then they raised a really good show pig. It's maybe not as good as this guy was, you know, raised in New York and then became a world famous boxer. And now he's worth a hundred million dollars. That's going to get a little bit more pub, but what's the difference? He still came from nowhere and he found success. Right. The act is the same. Yep. So, so I just, I can't, I, I can't stand it. I hate when we, when, and it's really, it's always, we do it to trailers. We do it to rigs. That's what we do it to the most. And I was once the guy whose dad was driving in with a old utility box and a, 
a, a rack on the top with some wood or something. And we had an old beat up circle J trailer with a, a divider in it, you know, that we took out from a horse and, and, um, and, you know, and I'm sure social media wasn't as popular then, but if I was that kid now, they would take a picture of me and make fun of me. Right. And, uh, and you know, so, so that's the reality. Um, quit, quit taking pictures of someone and, and maybe realize someone who's possibly less fortunate and go lend them a hand. Yeah. Put you know, that on social media. And, make a TikTok yeah. or a Snapchat of you helping that person. That would, uh, that would be just as, that's right. that would be way better than and shooting the person down. So, man, this has been awesome. And I'm really looking forward to this last question we got for you. You've already kind of told us about the future of where uh, the Ernest Donahue show pigs is headed. You told us about uh, your mentalities and, and all that. But uh, looking back on your time in the stock show industry, what are some of the biggest lessons that this industry has taught you? Just never quitting and being open to learning. Um, you know, I just, I, you know, I, I always say, uh, another little saying, I feel like I, like I like, I like, like my own little sayings, if you can't tell, um, is the only people that win at this are just the ones that don't stop doing it. Like, that's what I believe the secret is. Like the people who win at it, they didn't find some great way. They just never stopped. Mm, yep. So, you know, never quitting, you know, and, and then, um, being open to learning, like this thing moves a lot and it it changes and it some things become popular you know clipping them for short hair becomes popular or you know raising them with a lot of long hair becomes popular or you know having 10 months you know whatever it is i could go on and on about things that change you know and you know being aware and open-minded to seeing who out there who is doing well and what they're doing and and be honestly copying it like i don't make any bones about it i I see something that someone's doing and I think that that's good. It's mine now and I'm adding it to what I got. So the lessons that I've learned in the stock show industry is to never quit and to always keep my eyes open and to be observing to what my neighbor's doing or what my competitor's doing that can potentially be what puts me over the top. Oh yeah, boy, that's true. Words have never been spoken. That's the, that's the thing. I mean, just being observant and helping people. I mean, if uh, you burn a bridge nowadays, that's uh, never coming back. So, man, we really appreciate you having, uh, having time to sit down and chat with us and uh, just sharing your story and better yet, your, uh, uh, your show pig uh, profiling, I want to call it. So, uh, show pig profiling. Yes. Awesome stuff, man. I really do appreciate you sitting down with us. And, and I don't know if you have any sales or anything you'd like to pub, but uh, you more than be more than happy to do that for you if you have anything you'd like to get out there for people. You know, I think it's the number one thing we just got to get out there is for, you know, if your show is, if you're worried about your show or if you're, you're not sure about buying pigs or, or if you're on the fence or whatever situation you're in right now, you know, I'm not going to plug a sale of mine right now. I would just let people to know to get your pig and, and dive into it and, and just move forward as if nothing's happened. And I know that may be hard, but, um, you know, this will pass and we will uh, move past this and we will not be dealing with it. And, you know, the same problems that you had when it didn't exist will be there. And so prepare yourself, prepare yourself for when we know that this won't be an excuse and, uh, and get ready. Awesome. Man, we appreciate it. Thanks so much. Yeah. Hi, right, boys. It. I appreciate it, man. Good stuff, man. Thanks for uh, jumping on with us and hope to 
Hope to be able to see you some, sometime down the road soon. I told you, folks, that was an incredible episode, wasn't it? And I know we say this every week, but we keep hammering them out like we are. Uh, I think quarantine's going to be okay. Just get your work done, listening to some stock talk, especially the words that just came out of Mr. Donahue's mouth. Could not ask for a better guest for this week's episode. Incredible stuff, folks. Head on over to stocktalk-podcast.com. Check out the scholarship. You can listen to all the episodes there. Navigate through the website. Send us questions if you have anything on sponsorship that you'd like to do with us. We are still proceeding forward. And as always, we love each and every one of you. Have a happy Easter this weekend. Or have a happy Easter if you're into puns. Puns. Uh, And while you're on that website... Keep your eye on the video column. Just a little hint. Keep your eyes on the Stock Talk Podcast YouTube channel. You can find on stocktalk-podcast.com. Happy Easter, folks. We really, really appreciate every single one of you. We love you. Catch you next week. Gotta go.